Hey, this is Garrett. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors. First, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Uh, go on there and check it out. There's uh, community forums on there where you can learn about all different tips and tactics for different types of waterfowl hunting. You can talk with a bunch of different guys all over the country. You can also go on there and find hunts to trade with people. Like say you want to go out east on the coast and hunt some sea ducks. You can go on there, find someone that's got one of those hunts. And if they're willing to, you can trade them a hunt for uh, something in your area. They also have uh, clothing on there, hats and shirts and whatnot. And check out their Salty Duck line. 100% of the proceeds from anything you buy from that go to the conservation of eiders. So that's a really cool uh, deal. Good way to spend your money. You can also find them on Instagram. Uh, it's D-U-K-S-C-N. Uh, next, we have Waylon Johnson and his guide service uh, down in the San Antonio area. If you want to get on some ducks and geese, go ahead and find him on Facebook at Waylon Johnson. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361-494-7868. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys. They're making hunting and fishing videos. You can find them on YouTube at 701 Pursuit. They're also on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All those are 701 Pursuit also. And they have a website. It's seven, the numbers, 701pursuit.com. Uh, go check out some of their merch, buy some of their hats, some of their hoodies. Last, we have Highline Retrievers. That's my uh, gun dog training service up here in Culbertson, Montana. Uh, if you are looking for any advice on training or if you want to set up some training this next summer for your Four-legged hunting pal, you can give me a call. Uh, my number is 406-783-7083. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Facebook, it's H-I-L-I-N-E Retrievers. And on Instagram and TikTok, it's H-I-L-I-N-E Retrievers, all one word. And then, guys, we have a Facebook page. It's just called the Wicked Hunting Report Podcast. Uh, go on there. Uh, get in on it. We will approve you in as long as you're not 12 years old. Um, pretty much on there, we're going to have migration reports from across the country as guys are seeing birds fly uh, north or south, depending on the season. Be letting you know what's going through the area, numbers and types and whatnot. You can also get on there, post your hunting picks, what's good, what's bad, you know, anything like that. Anything goes, just try not to make it political at all. That's all we ask, but that's all we got for sponsors. Uh, please enjoy the show, and if you hear anything that you like or don't like, let me know. We're always trying to improve what we got for the show, but uh, yeah, enjoy it. All right, welcome in. This is Garrett with the Wicked Hunting Report. I'm here today with Justin Bauman. He's in Marengo, Illinois. Uh, he's been shooting some black ducks and whatnot, so uh, Justin, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Justin Bauman from Marengo, Illinois. And as Garrett has said, I have been shooting black ducks. Um, the ducks literally just showed up last Saturday. We haven't had uh, really shit for birds. I mean, we've killed a couple of local mallards. But as far as numbers go, we haven't gotten anything until last Saturday. Uh, the field that we're shooting them in right now, they saw, I want to say, Black Friday night. They saw 800 ducks in it. So we went through the following morning and shot a four-man limit in 40 minutes with one black duck. And then uh, let it rest all week. We went there 
Saturday evening with six guys, one of them being a 10-year-old, his first time hunting ever. We shot a six-man limit with two black ducks, and that 10-year-old killed his his limit of mallards in four shells. First time shooting at birds. So Really? So he's a killer right off the jump? Oh, he's a straight-up sharpshooter. So he's addicted. I told his dad that he's going to be broke till he's 18. And then I told him that once he turns 18, he'll be broke forever. Um, <laughs> so we're watching the field already this week. Uh, on Sunday, we figured there's 3,000 ducks in the field. We saw probably 2,000 uh, on Saturday. So now we got 3,000 ducks in the same field. We just acquired another field about a mile south of it that has, again, another 2,000 ducks. So it seems like they're finally starting to come down. Uh, it's going to be warm and rainy here all week, so we expect them to stay. So while we're at work, we're hoping they just don't eat through the fields. They're really working through the field we've been shooting them in. We're going to try to get one more hunt out of it. If we can't, they just showed up in this other field yesterday, so we should get a, a couple weeks out of it, which is fine because our duck season closes in two weeks. Already closes, huh? They just yeah. showed up. They just showed up. We got two weeks left. That sucks. So no geese or anything have showed up yet? Um, I was about to get to that. The field that, uh, our new field that has uh, all these ducks in it, we picked up this field, uh, another field on Sunday. Uh, our farmer called us and said, there's so many geese in this field that it's black. You can't see the sky. So that'll be our first field that have geese in it. Uh, and we'd figure everybody has undertilled their fields and they're finally starting to make their way down to us. Because um, they, they haven't been here. We haven't had, uh, we haven't shot really hardly anything for the better half of the season. Uh, luckily for geese, we got till January. Because uh, as a group, I think we've killed two geese all year. Really? So is it yeah. mostly big honkers? You guys got little geese or where do you guys go there? We just get the big boys. Okay. But we later in the season we get the really big ones, the ones that really thud when they hit the ground. Any but, uh, snows or specks in your area? I've seen a speck. I saw a speck deer hunting Sunday morning, and that's it. I've seen one speck. We don't ever. Uh, we'll see them. We'll see the specks on their way back north. Uh, they're few and far between, but we'll see them. Um, snows i've only seen snow geese here once a few years ago for whatever reason they showed up by us we're so far away from the mississippi we're a few out we're we're probably a good two and a half hours away and that's really if you're hauling ass all right I, i'm out of it we don't really get the neat ducks like we saw some pintails on uh saturday and we thought that was pretty cool because we really don't see those either at least in our fields so you're saying a pintail is a neat duck for you, and I see hundreds of them. But here you are with multiple black ducks in a season, and I've never seen one in my life. So prior to this season, I've only been waterfowl hunting for five years. I'm primarily a deer hunter, uh, but I fish more than anything. So prior to this season, I've only seen one black duck. And this year, I've killed two. And uh, we've seen five which it's you know we're we're very surprised that we've seen that many there was yep. a when we saw so the ones on sunday 
There was only one black duck that we saw last week when I killed the the first one. When we saw these ones Sunday, there were four of them that were circling us in a group of about 100, 150 ducks. Those two peeled away. And then uh, these two just happened to center up front and center on me and uh, one of my other buddies who was in this group. And as soon as uh, the shot caller called it, we popped up and I think we're pulling the triggers before we were already, you know, all the way out of the blind and down they went. And uh, everybody else said, where'd the black ducks go? We never saw them. And him and I are looking at each other like, oh, we just smoked them. So. They, so you, they all, all three of them are at the taxidermist right now. Yeah, that's awesome for sure. That's we didn't need them. <laughs> we didn't need them. Yeah, if I got one, I, I mean that's the first place I would go. I would get out of the field right away, throw it in a bag, and drop it off just to make sure that there's no issues with it. Because I mean, up here that would be once in a lifetime. So that's really awesome. So my taxidermist, who my old man's been going to for. Uh, 20, 30 years. He's, you know, his pheasants were done by him. His deer were done by him. When I dropped my first one off, he said that's the 10th black duck he's done in 50 years of business. Wow. So, and then, then the following weekend, we dropped off two more. <laughs> 11 and 12. So he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's really excited. Uh, we have a couple more that were in that field. And we'll try to get them for him. Because uh, he said if he said if we bring him another one and we let him keep it, he'd give us a deal on our taxidermy. So our taxidermy bill is getting really expensive. <laughs> or we're gonna try to get him. We'll try to get him. Yeah. But, so you're, you said you're mostly a big game hunter. I thought you got a buck this year. How'd that go? Got a cool story for it at all? Um, actually, kind of do. So I was hunting in my parents' backyard. I so the county I live in has a really nice public program um it's super cheap costs you five bucks to get into it you gotta shoot an archery qualifier and then if your group qualifies it's 125 bucks and you get your own property for the season that nobody else has access to the first year i did it i had a decent property saw a lot of deer nothing big so just to try to get preference points you, you basically have to shoot everything you see to get a good property which is unfortunate but um it's a depredation program. The county I live in averages 40 deer per square mile, and they want to bring us down to 20 for uh, a healthy growth population. So I've got hammer bucks showing up on my cameras there, but I'd be better off shooting a button buck because it would get me more preference points for next year. <laughs> I get one of the better properties. Um, unfortunately, haven't shot a thing there. My cousin shot a deer. He shot a small doe there, and that's it. Uh, I get more coyote picks than anything lately. We haven't seen a deer in daylight this weeks. So that zone's a bull. I don't think I'm going to get it next year because I, I have no preference points at all. Um, I shot a buck at my parents' house. I was sitting in a stand that we've had up for 10 years now. Uh, the tree that it's in is dead. Uh, my parents' house was hit by a tornado a few years ago, and somehow of all the trees that survived, that one did. So I still hunt out of it. Um, so I'm just sitting there checking what time sunset is because I figured I was probably getting pretty close. It's just an after-work hunt. 
um, on a uh, Saturday. So I had only going to be in the stand for hour and a half if I was lucky. And I just got in there. I look up and there's this buck walking past me and it's walking into my parents' backyard. And it starts milling around in their backyard and eating at their bird feeders and whatnot. Cause my mom loves to get pictures of the, of the, uh, you know, the robins and the cardinals and shit. So I shoot my dad a text. I'm like, hey, go slam the door on the house a few times. There's a buck in the backyard just walking around. So he goes there and slams the door and whistles at it. And the deer walks back to me and I shoot it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it worked out nice. It worked out really nice. Don't have a far drag that way then. Uh, no, it went 125 yards. Parents got ATVs. I had, uh, gotten injured at work. Oh, no, I didn't. I got injured at work after that. Happy I had the ATV. Because I could not have gotten that deer out with my injury. Yeah. I would have been, I would have been screwed. I could, I could barely walk. Um, Mm -hmm. anyways, yeah, it was nice having it. It, it dragged it. Hey, you know, it died in opening, hooked up the ATV, drove it to my truck, and I was done. I didn't have to drag it hardly anything. It only went 125 yards, though. So that was nice. I ended up shooting I ended up shooting another decent buck a week later. And uh, it got onto a neighboring property that I just couldn't get access to. So they, uh, wouldn't, they wouldn't let you on even though you hit it, like to go recover it or what? Yeah, at that point, it had gone 200 yards. And, you know, these are the people that big fence around the property, trespass, keep out, beware of dogs, gate at the front. You can't even get past the gate. They're, wow. uh, they don't allow anybody on there. Oh, there's unfortunately nothing I could do with that one. That's, Which, I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, around here, I mean, if you shoot something and it goes on the landowners, like I was out with my uh, uh, sister's boyfriend, he shot one and it ran across onto some private land and whatnot, and I just texted the guy and told him what happened. He said, yeah, go ahead. If you need any help, let me know. I got the four-wheeler or tractor or whatever. I couldn't imagine being somewhere if you shoot something and you need to recover it, that they wouldn't let you get on to get it. My parents have lived next to these people for 30 years, and they couldn't even tell you their first name. That's how how these people are. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. It's, un- unfortunately, there's a lot of Illinois that's like that, especially in my area. I mean, the people used to live behind my parents, their kids shot a giant buck, and, he, you know, he came and knocked on the door. And my dad, being a hunter, he's like, oh, absolutely. We went out and helped look for it for a week. We figured the coyotes got it, but we still wanted to find the rack because it was wall worthy. And uh, we found it 20 yards from his back door in tall grass. Uh, it was 200 yards away from where he shot it. Really? Yeah, he walked past it every day for a week. He just couldn't see it. So I'm sure the coyotes got to it by that time. Cause... Oh, oh, yeah. He brought the head by to show us and everything. But yeah, yeah it's. It's a lot of stuff like that. The back of their property is pretty gnarly. Finding it in there, honestly, would have been a needle in a haystack. Even with really good blood, it's, uh, you know, Illinois has got those tall rolling prairies. Yep. 
Yeah, that's that's what my parents' backyard is and the yard next to it. It's all tall grass. It's, you know, it, it's waist high. It's finding blood in it is next to impossible. Yeah, if you don't got snow on the ground. And even then, yeah. with the grass that high, you're pretty much looking at the grass. Well, this, well no, if we get we get decent snow here, it knocks that shit down, and you can track pretty easily through it. But, uh, like, the buck I shot, I had a pass-through shot, uh, raged tripans, cut the lungs in half, and the blood trail was absolutely horrendous because you couldn't see it on that tall grass. You'd just find it when it would run past a tree. It'd just cover the trees that it ran past. Yeah. But, you know, in the tall grass, it was it was very difficult to see. You're finding it, you know, as it would hit hit the stuff and, like, on a little leaf, like, that's all you would get. But then you kind of you come to the deer and the deer's just covered. He yeah. was he was spraying. It just wasn't hitting anything you could see. And we're tracking it in the dark. And go figure. My headlamp breaks five minutes into the track. And I gotta go back to the house and find a different headlamp. And that one sucked because the batteries were shitting it. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, I I've had multiple tracking jobs where headlamp batteries ended up being like three years old so that lasted three minutes and the next thing you know you're on your hands and knees with your phone flashlight just looking for something that's what that's what this track turned into it turned into that and it didn't help but uh my lady mandy actually she's the one who stumbled on it i was sitting there looking for blood and she's like i'm just gonna follow this path i'll call you if i find it and she went maybe honestly 10 15 yards and saw its antlers sticking up in the tall stuff we would i I actually walked past it twice looking for the next blood. I never saw it. It's that thick back there. So how big of like chunks do you guys hunt there? I'm on like, five acres. And like that's you, you hunt five acres. That's your chunk that you hunt. Yeah, it's it's five acres. I'm surrounded by cornfields. Um I've got a wooded funnel that they have to get through. Uh as far as holding big bucks, I don't so I know I've got a two-week period to shoot a buck, and my genetics are pretty crappy for the most part because we've gone so long without really doing a good cleanup, just trying to kill some of the bigger deer, which, you know, how it goes. You're hunting on five acres. Kind of cut out there, but, I mean. And I'm on five acres of it. it yeah, well. I mean, that's just, that's insane to me because like the deer I shot, my mule deer that I shot this year, we were just on a chunk of CRP that's just like average size. And I think that thing was 140 acres. And like, that's just a chunk of state land CRP. Like five acres is all you, you could hunt. That would be mind blowing to me. I don't even know how you would do it. Like how you even know what deer around or what only, you know, covering that little chunk. Like it would just like, to me, it'd be like something just happens to walk by in that chunk for you. I mean, five acres, That's, how many, how many yards across is five acres? Um, uh, let's see. I'm probably 50. Ah, more than that. 75. It's a long five acres. <laughs> Jesus. So it, it, it goes back more than it is wide. Yeah, that's just, that's crazy to me. So have you always been into hunting or is that something you picked up later because i know you're really big into fishing so which one came first or did you grow up doing both or what i grew up doing both uh my dad started out as a pheasant and a duck hunter 
And then he kind of got out of ducks and stick, stuck with pheasants. And um, he's, I think he was in his 20s. Uh, his sister got married to a deer hunter. So my dad started deer hunting with him. And then when he had me, um, you know, my dad was always really big into fishing. As soon as he could uh, afford a boat, he bought a brand new boat, which I was before me. And then, uh, yeah, I grew up fishing and hunting, but fishing more than anything. We like to do a lot of musky fishing, walleye fishing, bass, pike, you name it. If it swims, we catch it. Um, so I, I mostly do that, but I've always been a deer hunter. Uh, actually, I started waterfowl hunting just because I got pissed off deer hunting on public land. I had this dude walk past me in a yellow tracksuit on land that's marked for public hunting only. The walking trails are closed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And the guy's like, oh, it's public land. I can walk it. Like, you, didn't you see the signs that it's hunter access only? We got to sign in and, you know, you have to sign in, give them your license number, your driver's license number, your license plates, and your hunting, uh, your customer number just to get onto the property. No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm just here to walk. Like you're, you're ruining everybody's hunt. So I got annoyed. Texted a buddy about it. He said, uh, "Hit a post office on the way home. Buy your federal stamp and come goose on me the next day." And that's what I did, and I enjoyed it. And now this is my fifth or sixth season goose hunting and duck hunting. That's how I got so, into that. But otherwise, I've been a deer hunter forever. So it's lucky you had someone to kind of start you out with waterfowl hunting so you didn't have to, you know, jump all in for decoys and all that other stuff. Because, I mean, no. I started doing it I started doing it in college, so I was really on a budget, but I went with a bunch of guys that have been doing it forever. So we had decoys and whatnot, but, man, them guys that start in it late and then they just drop thousands of dollars on everything, that's, I definitely couldn't do that, couldn't justify that just to shoot some birds. No, so when I started with my buddy, he had only a few dozen full bodies. And now we're up to, I've got eight dozen dive bombs. He's got eight dozen of the real geese, which when you mix dive bombs and real geese, it is a fantastic contrast in color. It looks awesome. So he's got eight dozen of those. I've got eight dozen dive bombs. Another guy we hunt with has another eight dozen uh, of the real geese. I think my buddy's up to six dozen full bodies. We've all got floaters. He's got field mallards. The guy who's field rear hunting, he's got, I don't know, 10 dozen Bigfoots. He's got a few dozen field mallards. We've all got a couple spinners. We got a decent spread for a field. We're enough to where we can we can pull birds in. So when you're doing these duck hunts, are you guys putting out any Canada's with them at all, or have you guys just been running duck spreads? We're putting, we're putting out my eight dozen uh, dive bombs. We're putting out two dozen field mallards, and this last hunt we ran six, uh, six lucky ducks. Okay. And they just gave it up. They saw it's like they can see, you know, the best duck decoy is goose decoy. It's like they can see where we're at. They beeline to us. You barely had to call, and they just dove right in. That's... It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been any dirtier than that. It was amazing. So you said you got floaters, but are you guys mostly field guys over there, or do you hit any water? Um, I hunt water in the early season, so Wisconsin opens up in September. So I shoot up to northern Wisconsin. Uh, I've been I've done that for two years now, and I hunt opening weekend up there. That's just, it's fun, but it's a joke. Everybody up there is a fucking idiot. Um, 
the amount of people who will shoot your they'll shoot your swing. I saw a dude take pop shots at a goose is 120 yards in the air. Um, I trashed my duck boat. I hit a uh, I hit a uh, submerged a submerged floating log the first year I I had my duck boat and trashed it. So I used my big smoker craft last year. I had a guy set up 100 yards away from my smoker craft and shooting at it. I'm like, hey, man, you're shooting at a $50,000 boat. What are you doing? It's stuff like that up there. But it's I still have fun, so I do that. That's why I have floaters. Okay. But we're trying to find some walk-ins. But every time, you know, we find walk-ins, it's like, oh, hey, there's birds in this field. Or we found a farm pond that we got permission on. So sometimes I bring the floaters for that. or if uh, there's an area we can stash a slut with some floaters, we'll do that. So we don't have to carry anything in. But we've all got floaters just in case. So you and guys plan? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. They're cheap. You know, you spend 100 bucks on a dozen floaters. Hide them mm-hmm. somewhere. But yeah, we, we had, we've got a text chat that every few days someone's shooting at something. Uh, if, if one of our fields is on your way home from work, we drive out of our way to watch it for a little bit. Perfect. So we, you know, we, we got this planned out pretty good. We've, uh, we've killed 47 ducks and two hunts now. It's more than I got. I haven't even got to go out this year. So, oh man, it's, that was me last year, man. I, uh, I got on this big job for book and I lost my entire hunting season. I got my deer and that was it. Yeah. yeah, we had goose, not a single duck. Yeah, we had our third kid right at the uh, end of September here, right when our season opened in Montana. So I just, I guess I did get to go out early season North Dakota with uh, Ben, and we shot one goose, and I think we both hit it, if I remember right. So it's still fun, though. It's fun getting yeah. out with your buddy. Yeah, and I was mostly wanting there was a dog that I was training. I wanted to get her on a hunt before I sent her home. So that was, that was the main thing I was worried about. I gotcha. I'm trying to get, trying to ease my dog into it. My dog's two years old. Uh, I picked her up when she was eight weeks old. So I picked her up and I was too too young to hunt the first season I had her. And then uh, I didn't think she was ready the second year. Oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. She hunted last year, but every hunt I went on was a bust. It was a a zero bird hunt. So she got no real world experience at all. All she got to do was sit in her blind and and (laughs) sleep. Yeah. This year, uh, I've done some pheasant hunting. She flushed up a rooster for me on opening weekend in Wisconsin's public pheasant hunting. Uh, And then... Uh, she's, she's been on the roosters. I haven't been able to get a, another one. Just haven't been able to flush them up, but we've been on, we've been doing pheasant hunts. She tore her pad the day before that first big duck hunt. She didn't get to go on it. And I was really, I was really upset. Her blind was in the truck and everything. I was like, oh, this will be a good one. You know, she'll, she, she, shooting doesn't scare her or nothing. She'll get to see some birds, even if I just make her sit in her blind and I throw some ducks out for her and let her bring them back. You know, just something for her to try to see what she needs to do. Uh, and then, you know, the night before the hunt, 
she's laying in bed with me. I'm petting her. I touch her paw. She winces. And I look, and, and she ripped one of her pads in half. I was like, you got to be kidding me. It had to have happened on the pheasant hunt. So we've been watching it foot all week. It's healed up. It's a little pink in a couple areas, but it's healed up. I'm going to try to bring her out this weekend or this coming weekend. Um, and try and get her on the goose hunt that we're going to go on. Just because I think it might be a little too much pandemonium with that duck hunt. She's never been in. She's never seen six guys unload a gun at once. She's seen, you know, one guy take one shot at a at a goose that got too close. And uh, that's about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you bring her along, too, and it uh, starts to hurt her, I mean, worse comes to worse, you just put her back in the pickup for the rest of the hunt. But Yep, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. She she'll or she'll sit in her blind and sleep. She, uh, I got that Momarsh Invisalab, the one that uh, folds up and stilts up. So you put yep. it in the water and on land, and she just, she goes in there, she tucks in, she lays down. When we start calling, she pokes her head out, but otherwise she'll just sleep in her little hunt. That's good. Um, yeah. So, I guess, in your five years of hunting, what's your uh, best hunting story for for waterfowl. Oh man. I got it. Yeah. That's a good question. I've seen some some pretty funny things. All right, I here it is. So I shoot boss because uh, it's cheaper than shooting three steel shells at one bird. When you can just kill them with one shell, it's it's definitely cheaper even though it's expensive. And uh, the guy I was hunting next to last week, I wanted to try it out. So I tossed him one of my two and three quarter number fives. And uh, we're shooting into the last group, which ended up getting our limit. He was aiming at a duck that's probably 30 yards away. And he ended up shooting a duck that was about 10 feet in front of his gun because it swooped in at the last second. And he <laughs> He blew a literal hole through this duck. <laughs> so I was like, I saw it go. There was blood all over him, all over his his blind is covered in blood. His call lanyard is just soaked in blood. I looked at him. He's got blood on his face, and it was just absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what do you think about them shells? He's like, I blew it in half. It's it was totally unfortunately it's totally unsalvageable, so he couldn't eat it, but uh. He ended up using it for training with his dog. But uh, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Short of us just absolutely raining out, uh, raining out a big group of ducks and having a, oh, you know what? We had a we had a spin of 1,500 ducks last weekend. That was probably the coolest thing. But the craziest was that duck getting blown in half. I've never seen, I've never seen a bird get that mangled. I kind of, I kind of have something like that. Except for it was on a pheasant hunt. It was the same type of thing though. There was a. We kicked our dog kicked up a rooster in front of us a bit. Um, kid swung to shoot it. It was like 20 yards away. And right as he was about to pull the trigger, a rooster kicked up right in front of him. Like it was like five yards right in front of his barrel. So as he shot the farther one, it come across it. And we couldn't even find nothing but a tail feather of that thing. It was just <laughs> mangled. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah. Lucky it was a rooster too and not a hen. 
Oh my god. I, yeah, how do you explain it? Well, I mean, if you disintegrate the head and there's no evidence. <laughs> but yeah. Any DNR officer would have said, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. Um so talk to me about your fishing. You're big into the musky fishing. I've never done it. Tell it's, me about it. So I fish a lake that is big in size, low in density. So uh, Wisconsin classifies all our lakes A1, A2, B1, B2, uh, and so forth. The lake I fish is classified as an A1. Um, we see big fish. We don't see a lot of fish. Uh, I think my best year was five out of that lake, uh, but they're big. Um, I've got one fish over 50 inches. It is, uh, it was 52, caught it on Labor Day in 2010 when I was 15. Um, there's a guy, uh, Fatante Taxidermy. He makes, in my opinion, the nicest musky replicas in the world. I had him do it for me and he shipped it back to me. It's absolutely beautiful. But, uh, I try to do a lot of musky fishing. I try to fish tournaments. I just kind of the lake i'm fishing the tournaments on it's a local lake for me it's a high density lake but there's two different musky strains there's a wisconsin river strain a leech lake strain i fish wisconsin river strain they tend to be a, a shallower shallow water relating fish the fish in this water system is a leech lake they're open water mostly shad and cisco based so i struggle a little bit i'm learning them learning them open water fishing is just weird to me but I, I like the musky fish it's expensive as hell you know a good musky rod's uh 150 to 400 bucks uh, same thing with a reel baits are anywhere from 20 bucks to 200 bucks but uh you know you fish for eight hours you might see a fish you could yep. fish for an hour and you could see five of them it's just they're a fun, finicky fish. Uh, anyone who says moon phase doesn't mean anything is never musky fished. Because you can pretty much guarantee when you're going to see fish movement down to the hour. Just based on the moon. So I like to do a lot of that. I fish um, a flowage. It's, a dam it's dammed on both sides. There's a section of the river I can fish, but I, I primarily fish the flowage part of it. Uh, that's also where I duck hunt. And when I'm up there, it's uh, full of stumps. There's good cabbage weeds, sunken islands, river channels. I just almost hit a deer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's just you'll go 24 hours without seeing a fish sometimes. But when you when you get one, you know it could be a 30 pound fish. I hooked into one opening day opening day this year. The weather was perfect. The water was warm enough to where they should have been done spawning. Uh, I was fishing with Mandy. And we fished sun up to sundown for four days. Uh, finally hooked up with one, I, and it was a giant. I don't have, I'm not positive that was over 50 inches, but it was definitely high 40s. I, unfortunately, I beak hooked it on a top rater uh, using a nine foot three rod. I figured I would have been able to horse it around a little better than I could have, but I couldn't control this fish at all. Um, got it to the boat three times. Manny came in for, uh, I figured I had a tire. I was coming in. I was going to pull it, pull it to the boat and net it. 
Mandy gets the boat down to net it, fish jumps, and I lose it. And uh, that was the end of that one. But we saw it was right on a moon phase. It was um, moon undertow at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And we saw five fish in, I think, a half hour, and they were all big. So that's what I like to do. It just, you never know what's going to happen. It's a lot of boring time, but you never know. You hook into one, your your heart's beating out of your chest, your adrenaline is rushing, and then like you're physically shaking for the next 15 minutes after you release release a big one. That's what I like to do. Otherwise, I like trolling for walleyes. We got a lake by us, Lake Geneva. Uh, I go out there at night and uh, I troll for walleyes from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. The only time it's worth doing it, though, full moon on a clear night with no wind. If there is if there is a cloud in that sky, don't go. Um, it's uh, a glacier lake. It's gin clear. Uh, water clarity is almost 15 feet. So uh, I troll flicker sheds. I like silver and blue flicker sheds in that clear water. The moonlight will reflect off those baits 10 feet down at 10 o'clock at night still because it's you know if it's big enough and uh i just put a hurting on the walleyes uh best night was 80 80 walleyes in the boat good and three and, a, three and a half hours that's crazy it's that's what i walleyes and muskies are what i like to do so now when you were saying on the muskies that you see a fish does that mean like it's following you up following your bait up to the boat or you mean like you hooked into them or what is what do you mean yeah they'll follow they'll follow your bait right to the boat you can run a figure eight as many times as you want and sometimes they'll keep going for it sometimes they'll turn away at the boat just depends on honestly depends on a fish i've had fish that uh i'll give you an example i had found this one fish on a boat dock late fall and this fish was it would only it would only follow on a super believer. I had an orange and black super believer that, that was a hot bait of mine for a couple of years till it got so mangled it wouldn't swim straight. Um you can throw a bucktail at it, it won't do nothing. Throw rubber at it, that fish sit under that dock, it will not move. Throw a super believer at it, and it would follow it would follow that bait so close that the hooks would be bouncing off the top of its nose all the way to the boat. And I could see it right underneath the surface all the way to the boat. I'd get to the boat, and as soon as I would start to figure eight, it would leave. I don't, I don't know what was up with that fish. I could never get it to strike. It, was, uh, it would just follow. It would only follow that bait, though. So when you bring it up, like I've seen the videos of it, I guess if people haven't seen videos and they don't know, it's like you, once you get the lure right up close to the boat, you literally do a figure eight with your rod pointing straight down. So it's still moving under there and hope that it hits. Yeah. But and, like, uh, could you. want to try to speed up when you do that too. If they're not, you're, you're you want to make it seem like whatever they're following is going to leave. So you speed up to try to get their reaction bite out of it. And I, I would speed it up. I, I mean, I was going as fast as I could. This fish just would not hit it. So is it something you could do, like, where you just, like, you know, go around the boat, you know, like, walk around the boat with it in the water? Like, with that, instead of doing the figure eight, if that scared it off or something? Or 
No, I walking the boat take off or what? I've caught fish doing that. Okay. I actually had one uh, a couple years ago. Um, I was getting late late at night, and uh, it was a small fish. It was only it was low thirties. I didn't even measure it. Um, but I figured it, it was over thirty for sure. Uh, small fish come in on top right. I didn't see it. It was probably eight o'clock at night, eight thirty on Memorial Day weekend, I think. Better Memorial Day or Labor Day. It was one of those holidays. I just don't remember which one it was. And uh, I come into a figure eight, pulled out, didn't see the fish until it tail kicked when I pulled my bait out. So I'm like, oh shit, fish. And I'm, you know, I'm just, just out of reaction. I put my bait back in on the other side of the boat and start figure eight again. And that fish hits. I catch it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a little guy, 30 inch fish. But then, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes later, Mandy caught one too. Another little 30 incher. Uh, about a uh, hundred yards from where we caught the other one, but yeah, it was just one of those deals too. It was a, uh, it was a full moon. The moon was coming up, so uh, again, working the moon face. But uh, yeah, they're they're really finicky like that. Sometimes you could do some weird things with them. So you guys get like enough ice to go ice fishing down there? I'm sure. You oh yeah, do, we'll get it to where we can drive our trucks out there. Okay, so. Can you guys spearfish there in the wintertime? They do in Wisconsin. I don't do it. Um, uh, I don't, yeah, I just, I like to use tip-ups. I got quite the tip-up spread. I guess you probably could use decoys for those, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering. Like, can you guys spear muskie? Is, is that a thing, or are they no. illegal to do Kill, that? Killing muskies is... Um, so if you go to a bar in Wisconsin and tell someone you kept a muskie, there's a good chance you get your ass kicked. Really? Oh yeah, they got most lakes have a size limit of 42 inches or bigger. Uh, the good lakes have size limits of 50 inches and bigger. Um, it takes a muskie roughly 25 years to hit 50 inches, and they have an extremely slow reproductive cycle. So keeping them is very frowned upon. So pretty much, if they do get to that size, then they're part of the breeding population so i got yeah it's good genetics let them go so um when you when you keep or when you catch a good one you can take pictures of it get all the measurements and then uh find a guy that makes replicas that's what i had a replica in mind uh you know i mean it costs twice as much as a real fish but you're you're putting a breeding fish back in the water yeah and that, that's the big thing is putting putting a breeding fish with good genetics back in the water. I gotcha. So if you look at stocking numbers for lakes that do stock them, my lake, they don't stock them anymore. I have, I have natural reproduction. It's pretty good. Um, you might only, they might only put 100 in and they're putting them in, you know, at fry length. So they're six to eight inches long. And figure out of that 100, 10 might make it. Because bass and walleyes are going to eat those little guys. Pike are going to eat those little guys. Little muskies are going to eat those little guys. So, and we have cormorants out the ass. Those things will eat them too. Uh, do you guys have cormorants by you? Yeah, we do. We call them cream shitters. Oh, I just call them dickheads. I, I hate <laughs> that they're federally protected. They should let us wipe those birds out. Well, them uh, boys down south, I think they can shoot them that are in that group with us. Really? 
Yeah, oh, one of them was saying that. You should kill them all. He might have been I, bullshitting, but I could have swore that one of them was saying that they could shoot him down there. I don't know if he was or anything like that, if they are federally protected. but What was that? You kind of broke up there. Oh, you still there? Yeah, you hear me? Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a quick Google search. Oh, okay. Um, do 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 fishing migratory bird. They are protected from take unless authorized by Secretary of the Interior. So certain places can see them. So let's see real quick. Where can you shoot cormorants? We need a Jamie. Yeah, no kidding. Are cormorants endangered? No, they should be, though. Today, 13 states, producers may shoot cormorants feeding on their private ponds. So if they are eating, like if you stocked a private pond and cormorants are eating your fries, you can shoot them. Oh, yeah, Michigan resumes killing cormorants uh, July 21st, 2021. Well, thank God. Take all of them out. Yes, every single one of them. <laughs> Ohio has propo- proposed it in 2021. They should. Uh, so that lake that I fish um, those musky tournaments on by my house. The lake that I typically launch on is a chain of lakes. Uh, there's got to be. I, I shit you not. There's times you see a, a couple hundred of them sitting in the trees, and it's like, oh, we could just set them trees on fire and kill those birds. It's they just do so much damage. They eat twice their weight in fish every day. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, worst thing for me is having a long morning a goose hunt, and not really seeing anything. Then all of a sudden, you got like a three pack coming in perfect everybody gets down and ready and then right as they get to about 40 yards and they come over top of you you can see their long legs hanging out the back and you yep, realize they're permanent oh here, here's something that's funny happened to us at this hunt on uh, saturday so we see this cloud of white birds coming We're like oh my god are we gonna get into some snows we really don't you know we'll get the occasional lost snow that flies around by us but you're very very few and far between so we're like, all right, get ready, boys. You know, these birds, like, they, like they're like they coming towards us. Thousands of seagulls. <laughs> and I don't know where they came from. Thousands of seagulls, though. Yeah, we had, a, we had a, we were doing our spring North Dakota uh, snow goose hunt. I can't remember what year this was. It was quite a while ago. But anyways, we were out there, and I don't even remember who I was with, but it was me and a group of guys, and one of the guys had brought a friend along that had never any waterfowl hunting or anything like that anyways so we had swans were kind of flying over us throughout the weekend well this kid come out in this hunt and uh we were laying there it's kind of a slow spot and i could hear some swans come in and i said something to my buddy and he looked back and he said oh they're gonna come right over us and so we were sitting there for a little bit watching them come and then he like i saw i got a little smile he's like everybody get down get down get down so everybody you know tucked down or whatever and he said you hear those? Those are greater snows coming. They're coming right behind us. And everybody kind of looked over. You know, everybody kind of snickered because we knew. And a couple guys sat back up or whatever. Well, that kid was laying 
next to him and he was like gripping a shotgun, like white knuckle grip. Didn't know that we were screwing around. And anyways, these swans come right over top of us. And my buddy goes, all right. And that kid sat up with his gun. We're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't shoot, but he thought he was being serious. He didn't know that there's no such thing as a greater snow or whatever. There's just a oh. bunch of swans. But yeah, butthole puckered up there pretty quick. I thought we were oh about to be God. calling the game warden. <laughs> we made a whoopsie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's we're calling the uh, seagulls lesser snow geese. Yeah, we do that too. Lesser snows. <laughs> Oh, stupid, dirty birds, too. <laughs> do you uh, go anywhere for that? Like, have you gone what? any... Do you go any uh, snow goose hunts in the conservation season? I would have to travel for it. And uh, expense-wise, it's a little bit out of it, out of my, my realm of what I can afford at the moment. I would like to. Um, I don't know, maybe in a couple years. Uh, maybe head down to Arkansas, because I got... I know, uh, well, you know, Hadley. Hadley's down yeah. in Stuttgart down there. If he can get on something, maybe I'd jet down there or hit up with Scotty Goggles and go to Kansas or something. Well, if you want to swing over North Dakota, we go every spring. Do you get them up, you? Lots of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, last oh, year right. we pretty much spent the whole time just taking care of uh, sick ones. but. Oh, yeah, that's right. You guys got the, that avian flu by you. Yeah, it seems like everywhere's got it now. From what I was hearing, a bunch of people seeing sick ones now as the migration's really picking up farther south. Still nothing here, which really? I hope it stays that way. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you would think with with the thousands of ducks we're seeing, and we, you know, I haven't seen any. Well, last year in that, I mean, when we went last year during the spring season, I don't think we saw anything but the snow geese that were sick. So I'm, I mean, from what I saw, it's affecting them mostly but obviously there's other thing, people seeing other sick birds but yeah I, I read a thing uh, i don't remember where i seen it it might have been on the big honker on their facebook page and it was a guy who said he walked past a pond that was full of snow geese but it also had canadas and uh mallards in it that were dying and doing the same thing shitting neon green yeah what was really crazy too is where we were at i don't know if it's the same thing but we went out on this island and it was surrounded by frozen water, but we were going out there to set out a spread. And this island had so many pelican skeletons, it was unbelievable. So I don't know really? if it was the same thing or, I mean, I mean, there was young ones all the way up to old ones. I mean, there's ones that were the size of a football skeletons all the way up to, you know, the great big pelicans all over the thing. So I don't know if it was the same thing or what happened there. But, I mean, there was dead snow geese all over the place too, but those were fresh from the spring. But, yeah, that was that was wild to see. Oh, I wouldn't want to see them get pelicans. We got we got a few places that hold those white pelicans by us, and I can't really see them. I don't want them to happen to us. There's a there's a power plant that I fish in March uh, for stripers. Yeah, and um, they got a island on that on that on this. It's, it's a cooling lake for a nuclear power plant. So uh, in March, when it's still five degrees out, the water there is eighty. Um, they got an island on there called Pelican Island, and those things, they look like big pterodactyls flying around on there. Yeah. I'd hate, I'd hate to see something happen to them. They're, they're neat birds. Yeah. I mean, they're neat, but they eat a lot of little fish, too. Well, so, 
being in Illinois, we don't really have any. That's the only place I see them. And the lake that they're on, they could eat 10 times their body weight in every day, and they, I don't think they put a dent in it. There's so many little catfish and stripers and bluegills and I'd shit the largemouth in there. This lake's got enough largemouth that they fish professional bass tournaments on it every weekend. It's just, it's, they couldn't hurt it there. And that's the only place I know of in Illinois that has them. So do you bass fish at all then? I do. Um, I prefer smallmouth, but I'll, I'll mess around with largemouth every once in a while. Uh, so I, uh, I kind of got bored of them, to be totally honest with you. So you like all the other bass fishermen that think it's sacrilege to eat a bass? No, I'll eat them. Okay. Cause, I, mean, I, I don't think they taste that great, but I'll eat them. I prefer walleyes, walleyes and pike. Well, see, I, I grew up fishing with my grandpa where, I mean, we would catch crappie and then bluegill and perch and bass all in the same day. And as long as we were, we were within our limits, we kept them, brought them home and cut them all up and fried them all together. I didn't even know it was a thing to not eat bass. I just thought it was another fish. You eat fish. Until yeah, I went to college and I went fishing with a kid and I caught a bass and I threw it in the bucket and he about, I thought he was going to knock me out. He was so pissed. Bass reproduce so well that I don't worry about eating them. The only game fish I'm 100% against the taking of is muskies. Everything else reproduces really well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll eat bass. I, you know, we we kept uh, we kept some smallmouths this year and ate them. They taste they taste they're honestly kind of similar to crappies. Yeah, they're definitely mushy like crappies. Well, that's um, why we, I mean, we don't bake them or anything. We, we were just cutting them up in chunks, battering them, and throw them in the fryer. That's what we were doing, too. They're still kind of mushy, but they taste good. Yeah. Uh, largemouth, I really don't care for. I think they're a little on the bitter side. Um, but where we fish mostly up in Wisconsin, it's primarily smallmouth, so we really don't see largemouth. The largemouth, most of my largemouth fishing I do here on Lake Geneva or uh, my nuclear power plant, which for anyone listening is Braidwood Lake. Um, you can look that up. I actually got a video that I posted last year. If you don't mind plugging or don't mind me plugging this. Go ahead. Uh, my buddy and I got a YouTube channel, Dead or Alive Outdoors. We posted a video. We posted videos last year, but the good one's two years ago now. Um, uh, there are 56 or 65 stripers in one morning awesome yeah yeah it's all in the video it's like a 20 minute long video of us just catching stripers at this nuke plant in march it's neat because you can kind of like see around the nuke plant um we're in 80 degree water i'm pretty sure i show my graph on the screen it's 80 degree water we're bundled up in all our winter gear i mean you're sticking your hands in the water to stay warm it's uh it's a neat place but yeah, yeah, I'll bass fish to that lake too, though. If I get if the stripers aren't going, or if I'm having trouble finding them, I, there's so much bass there that you know, just throw on a, a wacky rig and you can catch bass all day long. Cool. But I don't oh. be I don't need anything out of there. It's a new plant. They can <laughs> third nipple or nothing. <laughs> That's all I was going to ask. If you seen anything weird shrinks, in there? I'd be screwed. <laughs> Damn near in any as it is. Yeah, you're not even married yet, man. You might leave you before the wedding. Oh, yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that. Oh. So let's uh, start winding her up. You got anything else you want to plug besides that YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram, anything like that? 
Uh, you can check out um, on Facebook. We got uh, it's same thing, Stutter Live Outdoors, and we're being better about posting on it. Um, because we were pretty bad at it for a while. And then uh, you can follow my Instagram at justinbauman.52j if you want. I post pictures on that too. There, that one's a little more personal. Just uh, it'll just be Mandy and I and the dog and whatnot. Okay. You got any closing words? Any words of advice for anyone or anything? Uh, don't piss into the wind. I did that um, yesterday and it didn't work in my favor. That's rough with an innie. It Yeah, it is. And especially because I had bibs on because it was kind of cold and <laughs> it just. Yeah, don't do that. All right. I, trial, well, I did the old trial and error for everybody. It doesn't work. My closing words are beans do not belong in chili. Yes. Yes. Fuck it, Josh Floor. <laughs> no. Fuck beans. Those are for the British. Wait, hold on. You said beans don't belong in chili? Do not belong in chili. Oh, my God. Oh, you're eating sloppy joes, man. If you need to add more than the meat in the seasonings, you're doing something wrong. Who just wants that mushiness mixed in with it? That's all a bean does. It just makes it Why mushy. Why are your beans mushy? They're supposed to be a little firm. You're overcooking your chili. No. It's the texture. It's everything about them. Oh, you got to have the beans. And I don't care what nobody says. If you're not putting a whole sleeve of crackers in every bowl of chili, you're eating it wrong. Oh. Hey, you know no. what? At least we can all agree on we don't dip cinnamon rolls in our chili. No, that's weird. I've never heard of that. And that's, I mean, I hadn't heard of that until then. That's really fucking weird. That's some weird Missouri shit. That's why they just figured out now you can't bang your cousins. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to close her up, get some kids in bed. So you have a good night. Thanks for coming on with me. You too. And if you want to make it out to the Squad Fest, I'll be there next year. This it doesn't year. sound fun. 100 degrees, 100% humidity. Doesn't sound like my bag of tea. And we were handing out Malort just on top of that. Gross. Yes. All right. Well, you have a good night. I'm going to get out of here. All right. Talk to you later, bud. Yep. Bye.